on today's episode of the Digging In Podcast. We talk about the book of Revelation. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Digging In Podcast. Lessons from series. Man, we are uh, coming down to. I'm going to say it every episode this week because it feels so bizarre. But we are on uh, episode 72, and we're only going to go to episode 74. So we are really, really coming down to it. So, uh, in the tradition of our pattern that we've been going on as we work through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, we've been learning lessons from different people. We're not learning how to better copy them or figure out how to be like them other than Christ, of course. We are just learning about what the Bible says about them, what God is saying about them, and why that matters to us, honestly. Why does it matter to us? So, that's, that's been the whole point. So we've been learning all kinds of lessons throughout this entire series. We've also just been learning about the Bible. And so uh, with that comes today's episode. (laughs) Uh, So this is a weird one, guys. And the reason I say this is a weird one is because our lesson that we're going to be learning today is is so, it it seems abstract. It seems like I'm just kind of reaching for something here, but I promise it makes, it makes some sense. And so as we open up to the book of Revelation, again, it's Revelation, not Revelations. There's one revelation. There's one moment of revealing that's about to happen. Uh, As we open up to this book of Revelation, there's a lot of background stuff that we needed to talk about before we even approach the book. So you guys can turn to Revelation 1, uh, but we won't really open it up just yet to talking about it. Uh, But before we do anything at all, let's go ahead and grab our Bible, our pen, and our paper, and let's dig in. Father God, thank you so much today, just for today. Thank you so much for it. I mean, <laughs> uh, here here in Southwest Colorado, we, we get warm sun after what's been a pretty cold winter. Uh, it's really nice to have some warm sun. So thank you, God, for the, for the beauty that is your creation and what you're doing through it. God, today I pray uh, that you would just be with us. This, this book is, is so confusing. It's complex. It has a lot of uh, weight in it. Uh, but let us let us stay general and broad to some degree, but also let us understand the importance of what you're trying to do through Revelation and through what it actually means. God, we love you. We thank you. Praise you. Be with us today. Please, 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 please. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. The book of Revelation, the singular revelation of Christ. So this is uh, written by John. This is either John the beloved uh, disciple or John, the same one who wrote the book of John. Uh, you can have your own opinion about whatever you think. I think it's the guy who also wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. <laughs> so this would make it his fifth book of the Bible. And uh, we're going to kind of discuss the, the elements of this book. Uh, but first, what we need to do is just look at the, yeah, essentially, we need to look at the first few verses, verse three verses, um, because this is right off the bat, right off, right off what it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this is the, some sort of revelation, a revealing of who Jesus really is. But what this is really going to be about is the second coming, right? Jesus has already come, died and risen again. And so this revelation, this revealing of who Christ is and uh, his coming back to earth, this is the second coming. And so this is a this is a, a revelation John is given by God. So let me just read those first uh, three verses for you. 
This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So we've got some urgency here, but we also learn there's an angel that was sent to John and that revealed these things to John and that John and the angel both are proclaiming the name of Jesus by the word of God through everything that they saw. So this is Christ-centered. It is true. It's real. And it's the word of God that made it into this Bible that closes up everything. So this final book of the Bible is about to get crazy. But what I want you to really be drawn to here is, is verse three it says, the one who reads the words of this, what of this prophecy. So if you guys remember from uh, the, the books of the prophets, right? Our, our prophetic books uh, that happened a little earlier. Uh, these, these prophecies are, are crazy. They're super confusing. Uh, They're worth reading, obviously, because they're in Scripture. And they're worth understanding because they're in Scripture. And the whole goal is to reveal who God is. That being said, we have to read them with a specific lens. And so what John is doing by saying this prophecy is that he's saying it has not yet happened. It will happen. But also, it's in the same trend or in the same family group as the other prophets, that he's either answering those other prophets or he's talking about the same thing of those prophets. So with that in mind, we have to understand that at some level, what's being brought to us here is prophetic. It's a a future word, a future warning or a future comfort or both a warning and a comfort to the people of God. Now, with that, this is also apocalyptic literature, right? And so uh, apocalyptic literature is a type of Jewish literature. And in this type of Jewish literature, there are a few things that we have to really consider. Um, The main, maybe like perhaps the main element of... um, of like of apocalyptic literature is that they're revealing a heavenly perspective on history in light of some sort of final outcome. So there is a, there is a future aspect to this in light of things that have already happened, but it's revealing something that apocalypse, we think of apocalypse and we read end of the world. And while that is true in a sense, apocalypse is another word for reveal. So this is some sort of revealing of a final state is really what this is. And it's prophetic. So it's a prophetic apocalyptic text. And there's not very many of those in the Bible. We read them in Ezekiel. We read them in Daniel. And um, that's really it in terms of prophetic and apocalyptic is, is Ezekiel and Daniel. And so if you were confused or you want to learn more, go back to Ezekiel. I believe it's Ezekiel 32. I think that's right. It's either 30 or 32 through the end of Ezekiel. And then uh, Daniel 7 through the end of Daniel are all apocalyptic prophetic. So Daniel's not considered a prophet, right? He's, he's just Daniel, but he does a prophetic word that is also apocalyptic. So it's a revelation about the end of times, more or less. It's really the best way to do it. It's a, rev- a revelation of, of a heavenly matter. So now that we've got the background covered, <laughs> uh, this book is wild. Part of prophetic text and part of apocalyptic texts are images, symbols, right? Right? 
Um, so whether they should be taken exactly literally, whether there is going to be a seven-headed lamb, I don't know. The point is not whether or not it will be legitimately standing in front of us. The point is, do we understand what it's trying to convey, what these images are trying to convey to us? So that's why I say Revelation is a super important book to understand, but it's something to be understood on a more symbolic level and understanding the symbols and why the symbols are important rather than saying, this is exactly what it's going to look like, this exact thing. Because it might, it very well might, but I find that that's going to be more divisive and you're going to argue with people more than if you just understand what's overall what's going to be happening in the second coming of Christ. So uh, I, I could sit here and, and count out to you and, and state to you all of the super most important things to understand about all throughout Revelation, all the images. But really what I'm going to do is I'm going to highlight a couple things that this book is really about. And I want you to go read it on your own to kind of see these things for yourself. But uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and highlight a couple things for us. And that's really all I want to do today, uh, just so we can close out our entire uh, series. All right. The first thing I want to highlight here we go. You ready for this? This is a letter. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's remember that. <laughs> this is a letter. It's not technically an epistle, but sort of it is. Um, it, so this is, this is crazy. This is three different genres. So what? <laughs> this is a prophetic apocalyptic letter text. That's crazy. That's three different things all at once. So let's look at it backwards to, to better understand this, what's going on. So it's a letter, okay? That means he's writing to specific churches. Look at verse four, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace. With you. He does a typical letter opening. So he's writing to seven specific churches about this thing. He didn't just send this to the whole world saying, Here's 50 copies of this. Take this on your horses, all of you people. And, and I want you to just spread them out wherever you go. Just throw them around see what happens. No, he wrote to seven specific churches at a specific time for a specific purpose. So it's a letter. What is the letter trying to convey? Well, that's the apocalyptic uh, prophetic text. So these letters are written to reveal Christ in his second coming to these churches for the purpose of helping them to know that he is coming, to provide them with comfort that even when the end of things is coming, that God is still good and, and Jesus is coming back to save his people. So I just gave you an overarching view of what all of Revelation is about on a really general perspective. The second coming of Christ to comfort the people of God, that he's coming back and he's going to restore everything. He's going to renew everything. So uh, the people who get into the details of, okay, so this is when it's going to happen. This is really what it's going to look like. Fine. Do that all you want. I don't think it's too dangerous in all reality, but don't forget the purpose. The purpose is there. So the first thing I wanted to highlight to you guys is verse four is that it's a letter. This whole thing is a letter. All right. The second thing I want to highlight are the first three chapters. Very, very, very important. So part of this being a letter again is that it's written to a specific group of people. And so in the second half, um, starting in verse, I believe it's nine. Yeah. Verse nine, all the way to the end of chapter three, we're going to get John seeing a vision of Jesus, the son of man, Jesus, 
And he sees this vision of Jesus. And then Jesus speaks to specific churches, actually these seven churches. He speaks to them and he goes on to say, these are the problems with the church. This is where this church is doing great. He's calling out. He's being the prophet to these churches. He's doing what Paul did. He's doing what the prophets did back before him. He's doing what God did to all of Israel even before that. He's basically saying, hey, this is where you guys stand. These are the things you guys need to work on, all that kind of stuff. He, he gives it out to them. But the whole point of what Jesus is doing in chapters one through three of this vision is that he's trying to point out the fact that there are people who are going to be unfaithful because of the persecution that's around them, because of the pain that's around them, because of the confusion and the doubt around them. They're going to be unfaithful and they're going to run away from the truth that is me. That being said, if you would be faithful, all of you churches, if you would be faithful and love me wholly and completely, then you will be conquerors. You will conquer over all. Even if you are persecuted to the point of death, you will conquer. So that is the first three chapters of Revelation, and it's already challenging maybe some of your preconceived notions about this book. All right, next thing. You got chapters four and five. I'm, I'm kind of working through the whole book here, just piece by piece. But this next thing is chapters four and five. And this is going to be a super important one to understand. We, we see God described here as holy, 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 like in Isaiah 6. Um, and, and he's holding this scroll. And in this scroll are things that are not in our scripture. And, and what that means is that he's holding on to this, God is holding on to this scroll to explain how everything is actually going to happen. Now, this is weird. And you're like, wait a second, what, how everything, what everything is going to happen? Well, what, what God is doing is he's saying, I have this scroll here. And inside of this scroll is how everything will happen at the end of everything. And so what we learn is that this, this whole entire scroll is based on like Daniel 12 and a few other things like that. Um, it's stuff that we don't know too much about, but it's sealed completely. And then there's only one person who can open it. It's the, the one who is from the line, the, from the line of Judah. He's actually the lion of Judah. And so, the point is that only one person, one thing can open it. And so when John looks over to look and see the lion of Judah standing on top of a hill, what does he see? He sees a lamb, not a lion, but a lamb. In fact, this lamb is bloody, completely covered in blood. And there he stands. Yet we know this lamb. All of us should. We've talked about the lamb uh, a little bit here and there. Obviously, this is an image of Jesus. And so what you see is a bloody and sacrificed lamb, but it's, it's alive. And this lamb approaches the throne and the lamb is able to then open the scroll. But here's the thing. This is the lion of Judah, the one who conquers all enemies, the one who, the one to whom is given victory over all of the spiritual forces of this earth, that nothing can stand against this lion, but this lion is also a lamb. And so as the lamb approaches the throne of God and sits there prepared to open the, open the seals and open the, the scroll of how things will end to read it out to all people, what we understand is that it is this bloodied, dead, so to speak, but alive lamb, this sacrificed lamb that is conquering over everything, the only one who can open these scrolls. So this is a super important image for John, which is that by Jesus's death, he has crowned the king. It is by Jesus' sacrifice as the lamb for all people that his kingdom is established. 
It's the super important image. It's the upside down kingdom where most kingdoms start with a coronation, right? This beautiful ceremony where the king is crowned and then they rule over after this huge party. But there's no party here. In fact, it's, it's, it's sad because it's the death of a man. But that in that death of the man, that's when he was given the crown, the crown to rule over all the world. Okay, so boom, there's that cool cool little image there. Uh, Jesus as the lion and the lamb, the one who conquers over. His, it is by his sacrifice as the lamb that he is pronounced king over all the world. And this is the revelation that John is getting. This is the vision that John is getting uh, by the angel as he's uh, sitting there kind of watching it all unfold. So these, he's telling this to these seven churches that Jesus conquered all by death. And if you would just have faith, even to the point of your own death, that you will share in that conquer, you will share in that kingdom. And that's what he's trying to get across. Now, the next section, uh, six through 11, is a whole bunch of images. And I, and I would love to uh, sit here and discuss all these images to you, <laughs> bowls and, and, and trumpets, um, what is, and seals. Yeah, seals, trumpets, and bowls in that order. Um, and I would love to sit here and just and, and talk about all of it with you. Uh, but in, in all reality, guys, um, that's not really what I want to do today. <laughs> I want to, and I don't want to all at the same time, because that would kind of take away from where we're going. So if you want to, if you're curious about this, go read it for yourself, six through 11. And I think you'll get some really interesting images and you might be totally confused. And if you are, don't forget that Bible project has a little bit of help on, on kind of where these images are at least potentially leaning. Everyone's got their own view on this is where I should say um, six through 11 is where revelation starts to go off and everyone else's different view of what these things mean. And so Bob Bible project will, uh, uh, you know, present that information to you. He's also, uh, Dr. Mackey is also going to give you a, a, his opinion, his idea about what these really mean. And so you can share his idea because he's smart and he knows what he's talking about um, and he portrays it in a great way. Or uh, you can just take what he says and keep it more general and broad like I kind of like to do with this book. And so uh, that, that's kind of the next section. But then we move out of chapter 11 and we move into the, uh, the next section after those sections. <laughs> so with that, uh, our next section of the book of Revelation, uh, 12 through 22, um, is, is a lot. Um, this is where we're going to start getting, as, as you read throughout that last section, you're going to start reading about this, this beast, um, this, this horrible beast and, and the, the rule that this beast is trying to have over this earth. And so, um, with, with that more or less with that, that beast, the, the next chapters are going to play out on this whole idea of who the beast is, what the beast does, what the beast is trying to do, but ultimately the beast's defeat. So I'll just spoil it for you now. Jesus wins. <laughs> In case you didn't know, Jesus wins this battle. But it's really important to, to look at the elements of this battle to, to kind of get a better understanding about, about where John's going. So I'm only going to highlight a couple things here, and then we'll be done with the book of Revelation. Chapters 12 through 14. Valuable, so, so, so important. This is one of the craziest parts, I think, of all the book of Revelation. This is, this is to me, one of the coolest... Uh, examples of, of, of imagery and symbolism maybe ever written ever. In fact, I think most sci-fi fantasy stuff, Lord of the Rings, uh, Game of Thrones, whatever it is that you guys watch. And like, um, I think a lot of the people, uh, get their, their, uh, you know, a kind of, 
I don't know, I guess influence the, what they're, what they're, I'm looking for a word now. I'm just blanking so hard. Anyway, uh, they get a lot of what they write about through kind of this, or at least what other people have interpreted through this. And so chapters 12 through 14 are the signs and symbols of this, uh, this amazing, amazing happening up in, uh, up in the cosmic realm. And what I love the most is chapter 12. I mean, perhaps chapter 12 of the 12 and 14, I love the most. Um, chapter 12 is so crazy. Uh, this is a battle that as you start to read about, you're going to be remembering Genesis 3, I hope. I really hope you'll be remembering uh, Genesis 3 the whole time with the serpent and the, the woman, right? And, and the woman who was deceived by the serpent. And then one day, the serpent is going to try to attack the seed of that woman, but the seed of that woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. That's the Genesis 3 storyline, right? Well, here in chapter 12, we read about this exact moment. The serpent is now depicted as a dragon of sorts. It's not just a serpent any longer, but a dragon, and that there's this battle between this dragon and this woman and the woman, he tries to attack, the dragon tries to attack the woman's seed, but the woman's seed and the woman defeat, right? This is the Messiah from the woman's seed that is the Messiah and the Messiah defeats this dragon and the Messiah casts this dragon down to earth. And while he's on the earth, he, he incites hatred and evil and deception and all kinds of terrible things. He incites all of it while he's down on earth. He's defeated, but he's, he's out of heaven, so to speak, but he's not completely defeated yet. And so at that moment, he's, he's running around earth, so to speak, and he's causing all kinds of problems. And then what we read at the end of chapter 12 is the moment uh, in which that, this is verse 13, it says this, and when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, but the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle and all this beautiful stuff happens. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring and on those whose commandments they keep of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. And he stood there on the sand of the sea. And so he goes and he more or less, chapter 12, he's, he is more or less continuing his, his evil reign on earth by attacking the seed of the woman and those who come from her, those who keep the commands of God. And so uh, what we read is in that moment is that this serpent, this, this serpent dragon is Satan and his, he was cast out of heaven as he tried to defeat the woman, but the Messiah essentially sent him down to earth and said, you can't be here anymore. And then now he's running and ruling on this earth, causing mayhem and chaos. But then in chapter 20, we read something amazing. So turn to chapter 20, Revelation 20, verse seven. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog to gather them for battles. Their number is like the sand of the sea. They marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and beloved this in the beloved city, fire came down from heaven and consumed all of them. And the devil who had deceived them were thrown to the lake of fire and sulfur where the beasts and the false prophet also were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So what we learn here in chapter 12 and then in chapter 20 is that although Satan was cast down to earth, that he's remaining here. And there's a, there's some, some thought about a prison and we can, I don't really want to talk about it that so much, but what we're learning here is that he will one day essentially more or less either be given to freedom or break free 
And then it's at that moment when he breaks free and gathers his full army of all the evil, that fire will come down from heaven and destroy them forever, casting them into the sea of fire where they'll be tormented forever. So Satan will be, he was already defeated, but he will be completely finished and all of his evil will be completely destroyed. And then what we read is the end, is the last thing I want to highlight, chapters 21 and 22. Two of the more beautiful chapters in all of scripture as we replay the Genesis story, as God recreates earth, so to speak. He restores it. He renews it. It is his new creation. And it's right there in this new heavens and new earth that all the people of God will worship him forever. And that is heaven, my friends. This is heaven. It's this new heavens and new earth where there is no pain. There's no sorrow. There's only joy and worship forever, full of love and not hatred. It's just amazing. And we will stay there forever as we spend time with the God of the universe, just as he always intended us to do it. So do you see the storyline, my friends? Oh, we're going to talk about this in the next episode, but I want you to think about it. We had the garden in the beginning and all kinds of chaos and madness ever since. And we have this new garden now. And this whole time has been God bringing his presence back to his people, defeating everything that stood in the way. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Digging In Podcast Lessons From series. Join us on our next episode, our second to last episode, as we talk about the whole Bible.